Welcome to Ship Out Loud, where we amplify the voices of Hispanic leaders in STEM. I'm Chris Wilkie, Ship CEO, and usually your podcast host. But joining me for our first episode is Rosa, our executive producer. Hola, familia. Hi, Chris. Rosa, you're putting me in the hot seat today. Only for a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's all right. It's all right. Let's do this. I think for our first episode, Chris, how about we start from the beginning? Tell us who SHIP is. Well, let's start with what SHIP means and, and how it's spelled. It's spelled S-H-P-E, and it stands for the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. But we're not just professionals, and we're not just engineers. Actually, the majority of our membership are college students, and they come from all areas of STEM. Of course, we've got engineering represented, but we also represent science, technology, and math as well. Awesome. And so what is the purpose of SHIP? Well, I think when we talk purpose, we first need to, to talk about the values of, of what, you know, underpins everything we do as an organization. And we've got four main values, service, education, resilience, and probably our most cherished value, a familia, which you're going to hear a lot about. And the mission is so important because it's all about changing lives by empowering the Hispanic community. And really, it's all about impact as well and impacting the world through STEM awareness, access, support, and development. And so when we look at everything we do here at SHIP, it's, it's one of those two things. And it's all intertwined throughout all of our services that we provide to our members on a daily basis. Thank you for sharing that, Chris. We're so proud of our members and our mission. Can you take us back to where SHIP started? And, and you know, the history is, is so rich when you build, look back over the years. We're, we're going on almost 50 years as an organization. And it's one of those stories that, that, that I don't think is, is uncommon at all in the nonprofit world. You know, it starts with a small group of people with, with a big vision and a, a, lot of, a lot of dedication and commitment to an idea. And so, you know, if I, if I take us back several decades, we're going to, we're going to transition back all the way to the seventies here, um, with, with a small group that was led by our, our founding father, if you will, um, Rodrigo Rod Garcia and, and Rod, you know, got a group of, of engineers back together back in the, in the, the early seventies and, um, in the LA area. And he, he kind of said, look, there's, there's a need here and, and we need to, we need to heighten and position Hispanics to, to serve in STEM and, and to, to have a role and have an impact. Um, and, and it started very, very simply for, for professional engineers to serve professional engineers who um, were, were Hispanic. And, and Rod took that group and, and, you know, about a year later, it, it kind of formed into and, and was officially corporate incorporated into, into ship as, as we know it today. Um, and, and Rod served as the first president and, you know, he worked the LA area and a lot of his connections, uh, particularly with Cal state university and East Los Angeles college and, and some of the other higher uh, education institutions in the area to really begin to build up and establish the student membership and, and some of those, those presents, you know, on, on the campuses. And, and so we, we fast forward a little bit through the late seventies where the partnerships continued to grow 
and and we started to establish uh, longstanding relationships with with many of our corporate partners that date all the way back into the late late seventies and and this identity that that is so embedded in who we are today of of familia really began to take on um, its you know its its life and and really become the heartbeat of the organization. There had been a lot of volunteer leadership. But it really wasn't until 2008 when Shep hired its first CEO that the board began to really look at, okay, how do, how do, how does the board shift, start shifting and, and becoming more strategic? How do we begin to really build up staff and, um, you know, build, build that operational presence that would sustain and position the organization, you know, long, long term. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I came on, you know, back five years ago. And at that time, you know, Raquel was brought in, our, our previous CEO, and, and she was really tasked to, to continue to, to develop the staff and, and build the, the organization out and, and help set a vision with the board that would, you know, position us for, for the next 15 to 20 years. And a lot of her success was outward facing with community partners and building relationships and just bringing awareness to, to who SHIP is and, and what we offer. And this is what's really exciting. You know, we're, we're post quote unquote pandemic and SHIP is stronger than we ever have been. Our mm-hmm. membership is larger than it was even pre pandemic. Um, we just put our largest budget forth in front of the, the board for approval. And, uh, we are, you know, looking at 20 to 25% growth trajectories over the next 12 to 18 months. And that's on top of recovering from, from, you know, the little flat line in, during COVID. So, you know, today I'm, I'm really happy to say that the membership's almost 14,000 strong nationwide. We've got 260, 270 active chapters across the country. You know, our, our gender composition is very strong and actually better than what you see in, in the general public. Um, <laughs> you know, our, our industry partnerships are strong and, and continuing to grow. Our career fair is almost sold out here in Charlotte in less than 90 days from now. <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, the organization is really thriving. And, and I think that's the... That is the landscape up today is while a lot of companies are trying to regroup and, and regather their thoughts and get their feet back underneath them. For us, we've not only hit the ground running and kept that moving, but we, we are not slowing down anytime soon. And that all just started with somebody seeing a need in the 70s. That's right. And finding a way, gathering a group of people, fellow-minded um, engineers, and then it just projected from there and watching it grow, you know, yeah. and, and it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad. So earlier this month, as, as you know, you know, Rod mm-hmm. passed and, um, I was in LA this last week with, with his family for his service and, and of course a number of, of ship lifetime members, et cetera. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, talking with Cindy and, and, and his, his, his widowed wife and, and some of the family, I don't think, you know, listening to them tell the stories back, back in the seventies when this started. You know, the vision, yes, Ron, Rod always said, you know, I want to have, have an impact, but I don't think anyone really expected 50 years later to, to have the impact and, and for the organization that exists to be here. I don't mm-hmm. think we, 
anyone really grasp what the potential was and what the need was and the importance of, of how this really does not only shape our members' lives, mm-hmm. but, but in many, many cases, we're, we're shaping industry. We're shaping the future of, of the country. And that's mm-hmm. something, you know, when you look back and listen to some of the, the interviews with Rod, that's, that's something he always talked about was how the organization's impact isn't just for the members. We're, we're literally shaping the future of the, comp- of, of the country. Mm-hmm. And as an organization and, and that, that footprint, that reach is, is so important in, in today's world. Mm-hmm. It's very impressive. So all that you talked about and are you thriving and that we are thriving, what does that mean for our members and what does it mean for potential members? Yeah. You know, I think there's, there's a couple of things. So, you know, we, we can always talk about, about the programs and, and the member benefits. So. You know, you look at, at some of our core programming, um, that's offered things like, like internships and, and, um, mentoring and, um, those types of things. There's, there's also programs that are specifically designed to, to engage the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, look at, uh, our, our Noches de Ciencias, for example, um, Equipando Padres. Those are, those are programs that are designed to work with with pre-college students and, and parents and, and helping build those STEM identities. Uh, but they also give our, our current membership an opportunity to develop their leadership skills and their community engagement skills, um, by, by executing those events and implementing them across the, the country. Uh, so there's a number of, of program opportunities like that. You know, we look at look at things like degree completion and what are, what are some of the barriers that, that Hispanic students, you know, are faced with and mm-hmm. no, no, no surprise, the number one barrier is financial support. So, you know, we also have a very large scholarship program. And if you look back just over the last five years, even, um, that has more than doubled in the number of scholarships we're getting, mm-hmm. and, you know, going into the new fiscal year. If I remember the budget correctly, we're, we're projected to give out almost $2 million in, in scholarships this year. And, you know, and again, it's one of those, those programs that, you know, you look back 30 or 40 years ago, we were doing it, but we were doing it in, you know, six figure increments, a hundred, mm-hmm. 150, 200,000. And so to think that, you know, over time that's grown to, to basically two, 2 million in awards every 12 months, that's that speaks to the type of growth, um, and also to the need and mm-hmm. the importance of, of why, why we do what we do. So those are, those are all, you know, kind of some of the tangible program, uh, and, and some examples of, of that from a membership benefit perspective. But then I think there's also the importance of, of some of the other things that, that people don't often think about. The networking opportunities mm-hmm. that SHIP offers at a local level within your chapter, within your university, you know, providing that, that network of, of a sense of a belonging with, with people who are like, you know, on a, and, and on a similar journey, mm-hmm. but then at a national level too, I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've talked with, with members and, and they talk about the lifelong friendships, friendships. and the lifelong <laughs> coaches and the lifelong mentors and mentees that they, they have found from the familia. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's such an important piece of who we are. You know, when I spoke at Rod's service and, and the reception, I, I talked a lot about conversation he and I first had when, when I first came on five years ago, 
And I think it was probably the, the first or second conversation that, that I'd ever had with him where we just sat down and, and, you know, he, he told me, he goes, you've got to recognize Chris, that no matter what the programming does, no matter what types of services we're offering, the number one, most important thing about ship is the familia mm -hmm. and the value of that and that network and what that does for our members, not only as students, but as professionals. And, you know, kind of the challenge of, of the founder talking to the new chief operating officer at the time saying, mm -hmm. no matter what you do to influence where the growth comes from and, and how you position the organization moving forward, you can't ever lose sight of the familia and the value of that being at the core of everything that we offer as an organization. And, and I think when you look at the benefits and why join ship, yeah, there's a lot of tangible things. But the intangible of the familia is, is the number one reason on why to join us. I would also add the opportunity to get a job, I guess, mm. to change your life in that sense. Because sometimes these jobs are not just your normal job. You may be working for Google and you're coming right out of college and you're already making six figures because you got it like that. And that source of income for somebody who came from a low-income family supports not just them, but also their parents. And then it starts yeah. building what we call that generational wealth. So that, that generational wealth. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it, I, I, I kind of briefly touched on the fact that, that the floor is almost sold out the, for the yeah. career fair in Charlotte. <laughs> uh, but you're right. You know, you look at, you look at the composition of, of the types of companies that, that ship partners with. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, that, that are represented at, at, at that particular career fair here, you know, at our national convention each year. And, and we really do have the best of the best. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you, you look, you look, it doesn't matter what industry you look in, whether it's aerospace, whether it's automotive, whether it's, you know, tech or whatever, we, we've got the best companies in the world mm -hmm. represented on that floor wanting talent from our membership and yeah. and you're right you know you walk in and and you're started at that 80 90 hundred thousand dollars so many times well, i mean we, mm -hmm. we both have heard the stories over and over again yeah. and and it truly does create that generational wealth and and it it is the the fulfillment of mission 100 percent, mm -hmm. where we are truly changing lives by simply putting our members in front of these companies and letting our members do what they do best, be themselves. Yeah. yeah, they are definitely prepared. One of my favorite things to do is obviously go to convention, yep. <laughs> but walk that career fair floor and see them all prepared in their suits, looking very professional yep. and just talking to companies. I remember when I was in college, I was like, I never in my million years would have thought I could do that. And then I see these kids doing it. I was like, yeah, I could have done that. Yeah. But we prepare them and they prepare themselves through yeah. the chapters. And I just think it's so amazing and inspiring. And me as being a Hispanic, not in STEM, but just a Hispanic in this community, it's it's beautiful to see. And I love it. I love building up our, our members and our community. Can you tell me a little bit more about what your some of your prior priorities as a CEO are coming up in these future months? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've talked a lot about some of the growth and, and what we're experiencing as an organization. And I think 
for me, there's, there's, there's a couple of things that, that I kind of honed in on from the very beginning. Um, and, and I've started some of this and, and some of it is, is well underway and other parts of it are, are still in the works a little bit in 2019 with regards to the brand and where we were at, at the end of 2021 post pandemic, it kind of felt like we lost some of that momentum due to the pandemic and, and what we were wanting to do with the brand and what we were able to do just due to everything that happened in the world around, around COVID. Um, so for me, you know, that's, that's one of the big things is really revamping the brand and not overhauling it and completely rebranding, but really, um, positioning the brand to speak to the membership, refreshing it a little bit in some cases, uh, but more importantly, just revitalizing some of that momentum of this is who we are as an organization. This is the brand that we represent. This is the meaning behind some of that. Um, and making sure that the brand is representative of our membership. So, you know, if you think about our membership composition, it's about 80% college students. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, we're in front of some of the best companies in the world, and we've got to have this very business professional look and feel and and reputation. And then on the other hand, 80% of our membership are college students yeah. and they're youthful and they're young and they're cutting edge in so many ways and how they're communicating and what they're doing on social media and, and which platforms they are on and which ones they're not <laughs> all those engagement type things. And I think for the brand of ship, we've got to strike that balance. Mm -hmm. We've got to speak both to the college student and have the reputation that one would expect of an organization our size dealing with the types of companies that we partner with on a day in and day out. Um, so that's a really big focus for me. We'll have a new website launching here in August where it just refreshes uh, some of the brand and some of the look. The logo is going to stay the same. The color palette's going to be the same. Uh, but just trying to bring a little bit of, of the, the college year um, and student membership representation into the brand a little bit and fold some of those things together. Um, that's, that's a big initiative for me. And then another one that is, is very predominant in our new strategic plan that the board just approved earlier this year in February is there's an entire section around really elevating our profile as an association representing Hispanics in STEM. And, and a lot of that has to do with, with government relations mm -hmm. and, and the policies um, that are coming out of the government. And then more importantly, what happens when those policies are implemented? How can we influence to make sure that the uh, Hispanic STEM voice is heard mm -hmm. and that it's really driving the, where, where the need is in the community and what the need is? Uh, so that, you know, when, when dollars get allocated through legislation, they're actually utilized in a way that has the biggest impact possible. Mm. And so we've started um, getting involved and, and positioning to, to really bring our, not only our organization's voice, but some of our members' voices to the table to, to help with that. That's awesome to hear because there's, there's just so many of us. And we could definitely use that funding. <laughs> Absolutely. Not only the funding, but, it, you know, it's also to think about how, you know, you look at the data, Hispanics are, so many times aren't represented at, at mm -mm. certain levels. They're not, they're not represented in the boardrooms. They're not represented in those executive positions. 
Um, it, and and they're not always represented as as a subject matter expert to testify or to mm -hmm. be an influential voice on some of these topics um, that that are could have huge impact for for the community yeah. overall. And yeah. when I look at our lifetime members and some of our professionals who have been in the company for so long and part of the organization for so long, they they should be the voice. They should be the face. And and I feel like part of part of my job and and our job as as staff and as an organization is to position those individuals to be that <laughs> voice and and really bring the testimony and the experience and the journey of what it's like being a Hispanic in STEM and, and breaking through some of those barriers and, and being able to look and say, yes, I made it. And this is how I made it. And yeah. there's going to be challenges, but there's also, you know, um, rays of light or windows that open or whatever word or phrase you want to use there <laughs> that, that, you know, if you capitalize on it, um, and, and, and recognize that you, you can, you can do exactly what I've done and, and, you know, not me personally, but you know, that first, first person voice of, of telling mm -hmm. the story. Yeah. And we have, I think you mentioned 13,000 members and then we have a lot of them who have pretty amazing careers. I know I've seen a couple of them send rovers to Mars. I was going to say, let's talk about Elliot and, and right? sending the <laughs> rover to Mars and driving it from Earth. You know, how yeah. many how many people can say they've driven a, a driven the rover on Mars? Nobody. And there's just so many stories like that. But let's get to know your story, Chris. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about how you came to ship and um, maybe your leadership style in there? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk a little bit about all of it. So <laughs> there's, there's three or four key key things that, that kind of establish who I am. And, and first and foremost, I'm, I'm a husband. I'm, I'm very family dedicated. My wife and I just celebrated 21 years of, of marriage this last month. Congratulations. And yeah. You know, it's, it, it teaches you a lot. It's really, you know, we, we, we like to say our parents raised us the first half of our life and we've raised each other the second half of our <laughs> life because we've literally been married about, you know, half of, <laughs> half of our life. Wow. And, you know, not it's 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 one of those things that you just you say, hey, front and center, that's that's a key piece of who I am. Um, and, and you know, without without my wife, I, I wouldn't be sitting where I sit today. So she's <laughs> she's so instrumental um, in, in just the career that I've had and and the journey that I've had. And, and mm -hmm. you know, you often hear there's there's a strong person or a cheerleader or, you know, a, a supporter behind you. And I would say, no, she's right there next to me yeah. um, from day one. And, and we, we tackle the stuff together. And, and I think that really speaks to, to a key piece of who I am um, as, as a person today. Um, and, and then after 21 years of marriage, you know, you can guess we've got a couple of kids in there as well. <laughs> um, we did take the first six years though, and, and get to know each other and, and just figure things out as a couple, uh, which, which drove our parents crazy. They were like, Hey, when are, when are we going to get grandkids? And we Always. kept saying, it'll, it'll come, <laughs> it'll come, you know, um, and, and we held out for almost six years and, yeah. and then, you know, we started, started having kids. Uh, so I do have two daughters, the London and, and, and Mason. Um, and they're turning 12 and 15 this, this oh, wow. summer. So, uh, we're two girls going into preteen and teen years. So know, um, every, everybody pray for me. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> pray for me and, uh, you know, we'll survive it. But I think, you know, you, you learn a lot and, and as you go into parenthood that, that shapes you in a very different direction. You learn 
um, skills in a completely different way that you've never had to, to apply something, you know? So what does, um, grace look like when it comes to your kids versus when, mm. you know, in the business world or, or how do you, how do you even negotiate, <laughs> you know, some basic, basic business skills here. Mm -hmm. Negotiation looks a little different as a parent and, and how you go about it um, mm -hmm. and, and the tone you use and all those types of things come, come <laughs> into play. And, and so I think that, you know, that experience carries over and, and has shaped who I've become over the last decade as, as a leader as well. Um, and then, you know, you look professionally and, and my entire career from day one has been in not the nonprofit industry in some mm. form or fashion. So, you know, all through college, I did the typical, uh, thing. I waited tables, I bartended, I, you mm. know, did, did all the typical college jobs and looked up and had a bachelor's degree and graduated and said, okay, it's time to go get a professional job. And it ended up taking a pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> to get that professional job, right? Yeah. Uh, from from bartending and, and waiting tables. But of course it 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 set the tone. It set the trajectory, right? Mm -hmm. And and you know, so for the last decade I've I've been in executive management in some form or fashion. Um, like I said, nonprofits my entire career. And I think being in the nonprofit industry shapes you as well because you've never experienced corporate. I've, yeah. you know, I've partnered with corporate. I know the lingo, I know the talk, but I've never worked in that environment. Everything okay. has always been mission focused. Everything's always been to serve. Um, because think about your nonprofits. There's always a mission to serve somebody mm -hmm. other than, than, than yourself or, or, you know, um, a pr you know, you know I'm not, I've never had to develop a product and launch a product, for example. Mm. It's it's always been about service. Um, so I think, you know, that really feeds into, you, you ask about my leadership style, and I think that really feeds into my leadership style as well. So when you think that, you know, I've been this husband for 20 plus years where my wife and I have, have worked hard to treat our marriage as, as we, we, we tackle it side by side. Mm -hmm. Um, you throw in the parenting components of, hey, okay, I've learned to learn to be a little softer in some areas and, mm -hmm. and really, really negotiate, um, you know, in, 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 in a, an appropriate tone and, and learning how to, how to shift um, the dialect and, and, and how you go about um, influencing decisions and getting, getting the outcomes you're looking for. And then you layer in 20 years of service, 20 mm -hmm. plus years of service at this point. Um, my leadership style is very much uh, about that service uh, because in, in all areas of my life, I'm really serving someone else in so many mm -hmm. cases, whether I'm supporting and serving my family, whether, you know, it's a mission driven on the professional side, it's, it's so much about the give back and, and being in that supportive role, even if I am um, sitting in, in an executive position, the title doesn't, doesn't mean anything. And, and you've heard me say it many, many times over the, mm -hmm. the years. It's like, I don't care about the titles guys. Let's get down to what we really need here. And let's get the expertise at the table that we need to best serve our members, to best fulfill our mission as an organization. Um, and, and I think a lot of that speaks to, to, to my service, um, and just kind of my history overall, you know, we recently published a, an article about kind of my philosophy of grace, grit and grilling. And, <laughs> and I've spoken a lot about that, right. You know, the grace component of, of really recognizing and meeting people where they're at, mm -hmm. 
right? And and I think, you know, I lean into my family experiences a lot when it comes to that because you don't make it if you're not willing to give and listen and recognize where the other person's at in those relationships. And uh, similarly in the professional world, if you can't quickly understand where someone else is coming from um, and give that little bit of grace every now and then because recognizing they've got a whole life outside of the job mm. that, that could be influencing them, um, you know, that's, that's a big piece of it. And, and, you know, then you've got the grit side of, Hey, you, you, you got to buckle down, you got to get through it. You got to push through at mm. times. And, and you see those dynamics in our, our life as a whole. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's like any other skill when you can, when you can recognize, oh, I do this really well in this space and over here I may struggle a little bit, but if I can carry the same skill set over, mm. it'll help me in, in this space that I'm struggling in. Um, and so much of that's grit, you know, I'm, I'm going to push through, I'm going to, going to have those challenges. I'm going to have those setbacks and can I get back up, dust myself off, regroup and come out better and learn yeah. from, from an experience. And, and then of course the grilling, um, I, you know, <laughs> hey, I gotta say, look, I'm a foodie. I'm a Texan from, from day one, a born and bred here and, and barbecue is, is at the core um, of the food palette. Right. So, <laughs> but, 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 you know, more importantly, I think food is, is one of those things like music and, and oftentimes, you know, how we dress and, and, and there's just some key elements, how family dynamics, et cetera, mm -hmm. that they shape who we are. Yeah. And, and food is such a neutralizer in the sense of get everybody around a table, mm -hmm. break bread, and sometimes those differences just float into the background and you're able to really get to know someone and really build that relationship. And, and let's face it, whether we're talking personal or professional, it's all about relationships. We go to like our family dinners and it's just like, it's like a big ordeal sometimes yeah. when it's like, oh, are you guys coming over? Now I live far away, but it used to be like every Friday, every weekend there was like a mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, are you coming over? I get the phone call. We're having gonna say your sisters. Okay. So I come over and everybody's there. And it was just like yeah. amazing. It was just it was just the thing to do, but now I miss it. I don't live so close. So I'm like, I want to go to a carnesada. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's, it's like a Sunday dinner for, for me or a Saturday yeah. afternoon barbecue, you know, yeah. same, same, same concepts. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I bet there's, there's some crazy dynamics in there too, that, you know, it's like somebody walks in with a new boyfriend or new girlfriend yeah. or something. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> who's, get the eye, who's, who's that? Who's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but all those dynamics, they're, they're just, they, they shape us to who we are. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that. So. And we love food. So that's uh, good. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, so why this podcast, Chris, why are we, why are we doing this for the membership? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's, it's a, a great question, Rosa. Um, you know, I talked about the brand a little bit um, mm -hmm. and then some CEO initiatives and another one that, that I really wanted to embrace and lean into was making sure that as the CEO, I'm available to our membership and, mm -hmm. and giving them a little bit of insight into who I am as a person, showing a little vulnerability in some cases in the sense of, hey, there's really not a lot that's off limits when it comes to me. Um, I, I don't think I can successfully lead a membership organization if I'm not involved with the members, if I'm not mm -hmm. um, giving and, and being willing to, to put myself out there and let people know who I really am and what I'm about. 
but also an opportunity to build some relationships along the way. So hopefully through, through the podcast is one way of doing that. Um, not the only that we'll be launching, as you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's lots of plans, but as one vehicle to, um, let my personality come out a little bit, people to get to know me a little bit. Um, but also an opportunity to really put some of, um, our members voices front and center, some mm-hmm. of the executive partners that we have front and center and, and get down into some real conversation, um, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, leans into some of the motivation and the inspiration that comes from so many of our journeys. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a, a real big piece for us. I, I know when, when I sit down and I talk to members at events and, and in the community, we always end up there. We always end up talking about the journey, whatever yeah. that journey is, that's, that's where the conversation goes. And I was like, what better way than to highlight some of those journeys um, and give people an opportunity to hear some of that, that would never have the opportunity to sit down in a coffee shop and, yeah. and spend 30 minutes with that particular individual. Mm-hmm. So what you can expect moving forward is, is you'll see a number of things. We'll have a number of different types of guests, but they're mm-hmm. predominantly going to fall into, into two or three buckets. They're going to be member highlights where we're sitting down and actually talking member journeys with, with, um, you know, that, that individual and, and putting that out for everyone to listen to. Um, we'll have some executives um, on as guests as well. So we'll try to bring in executives that are front and center from some of our biggest corporate partners to talk diversity and inclusion, to talk about what's happening in the workforce, to, to talk about what's important in corporate America right now so that our members get to hear directly from those executives. And, and then I think the, the third piece we'll do is, is we'll try to bring in some some celebrity names or some big names that we, you know, it's as big as we can get. I am. Uh, you know, I know, I know. That's as the, the producer, pressure on me. I know, that's the fun part. Uh, but I think, you know, the point is, is really to, to, to bring in some of those really inspirational stories and those motivational stories and, you know, help, help everyone understand the impact that not only the, that Hispanics have, but also to, to tell the members that, you can do this. You should do this. You not only deserve this, but you belong at the yeah. table. And, and, you know, sometimes that motivation and that inspiration is what keeps us going every day to, to get up and, and push through whatever we're struggling with or whatever we're facing. So those are, those are kind of the three big buckets that, that I hope to be able to accomplish, um, with the podcast and the types of guests that, that I hope to be able to bring to the table. Awesome. Well, now I know the pressure's on. <laughs> you already knew that. You've seen some of the short list. <laughs> I have. I have. I am so excited for this podcast to put those voices out there because like you said, these members are phenomenal and they have great stories. And sometimes hearing somebody else's struggle and where they, how they succeeded and moved past that challenge, it inspires you. Right. And expires me. I know I get inspired by our member stories, but then you see where they are now and you're like, wow, you guys are so amazing. But I want to thank you for being our first interview. And hopefully this gives our listeners an idea of what they can expect from future episodes. Thanks, Rosa. Thank you, Rosa, for taking the helm and leading a fantastic conversation. If you enjoyed this episode and like what we're doing, please share with your friends. And you can always check us out at our website, shep.org, and on our social media platforms. To become a member today, use code POD22. That's POD22. And remember, 
You not only belong here, but you belong at every table across the STEM industry. Take care, Familia. The Chappelle Lab Podcast was produced by Epix Productions. Hi, my name is Alex, and I'm the founder of Epix, where we produce podcasts with purpose. I started Epix to help amazing people and organizations create an accessible, engaging podcast for the stories that need to be heard so that we can continue to make a greater positive impact on our world. Epix Productions will fully produce a professional podcast for your truly dynamic stories. We will launch, produce, and edit a podcast specifically for your organization that is centered around your message and mission to help you or your organization capture the attention of the next generation of activists and philanthropists. Go to epicsproductions.com to learn more and follow all of the shows in the Epics Podcast Network to hear more epic stories.